0: We laugh, we cry, we learn, but really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Everyone, welcome back to Client Horror Stories. I had a bit of a break because it's busy season here in Morganland, but I'm honored and excited to be back with the one and only Kelsey Knudsen. Kelsey, did I pronounce your name correctly?
1: Yes. Yes, you did.
0: Gold star, gold medal. We can end the podcast right here. Yeah. I can go that's now. it. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for coming, folks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean a lot of people get it wrong so you should be proud of yourself
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah um solving the important challenges in life
1: um world changing
0: world changing so yeah. I, na- names are important i will i will point out for for believers in the bible and genesis god gave adam the power to name uh to name creatures and name everything so it's like a god-given power to name things. So I, I think it's important to get names right. So I'm happy I did. Um, and with that biblical epic <laughs> intro, Kelsey, I'm so excited to hear your story. What Tell us about your client heart story. I'm listening away.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation because it is a conversation. I'm just going to start off by saying there's things to learn. There's things to for me to learn in this story, but it's a good one. It's juicy. It sticks out. When I first connected with you, Morgan, it was like this is the one story. So are you ready, listeners? Let's let's dive in. I'm so at ready. At the time. At the time, I am Kelsey and I'm a hair and makeup artist who is building my clientele. And that matters because the client who I had in this particular story was not mine. It was a friend of a friend who referred to me. And that's how we started off. In the wedding world, you do a trial run, so we did a trial where you test things out and we did that and it went well, the day of the wedding. I like already have a pit in my stomach just reliving this Um, day of the wedding show up, I think I had to start at like 530 in the morning. No one was awake I knock on the door all the brides bridesmaids everyone is still sleeping so they weren't ready to go and so i'm just anxiously waiting for them to get moving, so I can start my job so and, so it, oh, go ahead just
0: i want to pause for a moment because i don't even know what's going to happen here but not knowing what's happened there's already a couple of interesting yellow or red flags that i think might be useful and interesting to the audience yes. to, yeah. to articulate okay first on the nature of weddings what's interesting about a wedding is it's like a super high stakes moment so it's going to be a moment when everyone is like on pressure on edge and so on like like if you're just a truck driver driving a truck every day you do the exact same thing okay today i'm delayed but when it's but when it's like the one and only big event that will make everyone especially the bride and groom go a bit psychologically unhinged so that on its own creates 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 a very a very high high risk situation
1: totally and that's why i include all these little details in this story because it mm-hmm. does shape what happened and You're right. It is a big day. When you're new to the industry, you don't realize how important it is to your clients. And then there's something called no like and trust in the business world. And when that's not established and that's not the foundation. I've
0: never heard this phrase before. Really? No like trust.
1: Yeah. So before you sell anyone, before you acquire a client, you have to, they have to know who you are they have to like you and then they have to trust you. And it's this journey oh. that most people go through. So all the brands we love when we're referring our favorite restaurant in town, we went through those steps, even if we're not aware Actually. of them. Yeah. And so because uh, the, of, the, go ahead. The useful magic,
0: no, like, and trust, by the okay. way, when you first said it, I misinterpreted. I thought it was no, as in, and N-O. as was like, no, like trust. So but, uh, I see you have to know, like and trust someone before you go, Oh, this, this makes sense. This is interesting
1: yeah and the reason i bring that up is because again as i've said in the beginning of the story it's referred by a friend of a friend okay so they have the her hairstylist and her have an established relationship of trust that they've built over time but she trusts her so she referred her to someone else and then that is diminishing the level of trust because she doesn't know this person who's then referring me so i am like the backup, backup, backup quarter back in this game. Like, I am the third string. <laughs> okay. okay. Do we move on? Is there anything else we need to unpack here?
0: But it's an all the unpacking this. But I, what I want to also, uh, I love the no, no, I like can trust. I also want to mention, emphasize what you just mentioned, where it's like a friend of a friend of a friend, which is, I think, at first, you might think that's high trust. Oh, yeah, my friend trusts them and I trust them. But actually, I, th- I think you just actually made a really important point that's worth emphasizing. And you can actually even model this mathematically. If your friend trusts the client 90%, and you trust your friend 90%, then 0.9 times 0.9 is 0.81, which means there's really only 80% tr- or 81% trust between you between you and then client. And that, and just due to how math works, that that very quickly diminishes. And just because. It's a friend's friend. It's re- it's really hard. You f- emotionally feel like you know them better than you actually do. So uh, so so it's it's really useful to to just remember that in mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the ma- that makes so much sense when you say it that way. These are things. By the way, as I'm telling the story, these are things I was not aware of in the moment. But this is a lot of looking back, soul searching, using yeah. it to make myself better, and so. Totally. This is cool and, to kind of dissect and I'm still learning oh, from it. And this was 10 years ago, 15 years, no, yeah, 11 years. By ago. The, way, the,
0: the best episodes on client horror stories are the ones where you realize new nuances of, uh, of, of what happened, which seemed like it's starting to happen. I think my strength is I'm good at over dissecting every tiny little detail. So this is what we're in for the next 45 minutes. And, <laughs> and with that, we can move on
1: i love that you're sipping tea it just feels right for this kind of conversation but yes we move we move on folks okay so they're not awake they're now they're now awake because i'm there and we're already starting off late and chaotic and they're all hung over another,
0: another another risk sign on your own wedding starting late hairstyles waking you up being being hungover. it's like they're they're not approaching your wedding in a serious way they're just approaching it as a party
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. I I think the way that schedule worked is I'm pretty sure I had like 11 services to do by myself, which is a lot and un- unheard of 11, if, eleven services on average, everything, each thing is 45 minutes. So 45 minutes times 11 was the amount of time I would be working in a row nonstop. Wow. So I'm working on bridesmaids and we're having a good time. Everyone's having fun. I'm getting connected with them. They're all great. We're bonding over people we know or colleges, we the mutual college yeah. things. And then I do the bride's hair and I finish with it. And I am proud. I'm so proud. I'm like, can I take your photo? Like this, I did a great job. I turn her around and we're in a hotel. Like, so like kind of clunky office chair, turn her around and she just goes, i effing hate it no in front of everyone yeah uh-huh oh i wish no. it ended there but it doesn't But <laughs> yeah
0: question just because i know absolutely nothing about hairstyles industry weddings or any of that like she hated it, but like had she seen a model of it? Like, did you do a trial run? Like, did she like the exact same thing before and but changed her mind?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. And I'll try my best to kind of explain this for people who don't know the industry at all, but the trial run, I consider to be like a working document. Like if you're doing a drawing, it would be like the pencil version where maybe there's some eraser yep. marks. Yeah. It's it's fluid maybe you're trying a few things so it's a rough draft idea of what you're you're doing the day of and so the day of was the same thing we did but just a little more polished so the curl like there was a lot of curls in it and we wanted them to be more defined and it was just like a cleaner looking version of what we did and like technically speaking it was great I delivered that but people are funny people people in the business world in the hair world They're not paying you to copy, paste, put something on them. They're basically saying, hey, this is what I view to be beautiful and what I want. And how do I get you to deliver on that? So just because I think something is pretty doesn't mean that they think something is pretty or that that's what they want. It's a communication business, really, is what it comes down to. And how do we get on the same page to make sure we're achieving a look that's realistic, but also what you want and that clearly just because it was technically good, everyone in the room said it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. At the end of the day, she's the one that has to think it's beautiful.
0: Uh, okay, so <laughs> so, a, so a couple a couple of details to unpack there. First, it's an important point that um beauty hairstyles is fundamentally subjective. So that puts it it, it moves it out of the category of something like software development, like. You built the this when you click this button, that happens or not, and um, puts it into this world of art, where client relationship and client maintenance is much is much more challenging. It's like like this is sort of like imagine a client hires you to do a logo, but you have to come to like the day of the launch of their brand and like do the logo three hours uh, three, three hours beforehand. So yeah. that that is the pressure. And um, and what else wanted to mention is I really liked your metaphor of the um, rehearsal hair as a sort of rough draft, because what's interesting is I know nothing about the hairstylist industry, but being a professional and running client art stories, um, talking to lots of other professionals, a very common pattern is for everything you do, there's like the rough draft and then there's the real thing. And even, even in software development, even if it's less, more objective, you still, have the document that outlines what's going to happen and and and, and all these expectations. So I'm it, it it makes sense to me to that there's this same sort of concept in the hairdressing yeah. world as well.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I think I mean the point of the story is hopefully you don't be like me. <laughs> hopefully we can all come together and learn from this moment. And yeah, we'll we'll just we'll keep it going for now. But yeah.
0: But before we decide whether we want to be like you or not, first yeah. we need to know what happens next. So I she was going to say
1: it because there's more. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, no. So she said, I often hate it.
1: Yeah. You,
0: you turn white. <laughs> then <Yeah>. what happens? <laughs>
1: uh, so then and again, so we already started late. I already signed up. I already bit off more than I can chew. And we have a tight timeline. We are behind. And so I'm like, okay. You need to go figure out what what specifically you don't like about it. Like, go. she had a friend who was – she was kind of talking through, and I was like, go look at photos that you like, you don't like. Because to me, at this point, I'm not understanding – I'm not seeing what she's saying. So – but I had to keep working. So I sent her off with someone else. Right. So from your
0: point of view, this was very similar to the rehearsal, and and it looked great. So you just can't understand why she hates it. Right. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah. So then – so that yeah, I continue working on other people. I'm doing that. She's coming back to me. She's crying. She's saying all these things, and basically, she just wants a really messy version of what it was. And I'm like, okay. We come to a place where we, I can fix it. It's fixable. Um, so I'm finishing the bridesmaids. I fin- I squeeze her in. I finish with her.
0: Just want to comment <laughs> on that. I find it yes. fascinating that she actually wanted a messier version because. Almost all human beings want like the neat, clean, non-messy version yeah. of, of, of anything. And I think that's yeah. actually really powerful because it it teaches such an important lesson in life and client management, which is people are weird and want weird things and assume weird things. And like you might assume having a messy bedroom is bad. So, so you should like have the children clean up their bedroom. But guess what? Maybe some people like the mess and actually want the mess. So I think part of being a professional is knowing when to question your assumptions. I assume like being messy is bad, but maybe the client actually wants
1: the mess. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, clarifying questions, making sure you understand. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what they think. And this applies because I still am a business owner. I don't do the same thing now, but it 100% applies to what I do now. So Yeah. So that happens. Uh, I, I fix it. You know, it's at this point, it's kind of like we're doing the best we can with what we have going on. It would be like back to like the sketch analogy, imagine like a tattoo on your body that you're trying to cover up, like you're limited in what your options are for your cover up work. It's like that, like I'm limited on how much I can deconstruct and change things aside from totally starting from square one, which was not an option.
0: Uh, that that makes sense because of the because of like the time pressure, like yeah. in an hour, she's walking down the aisle <laughs> and you have what's in the room in 60 minutes. Yeah. It's like a reality TV show.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. So, yeah, I'm like, it keeps going. So then I, I somehow get everyone done in time and there's a point. I'm starting to. I'm beating myself up a bit as I'm working on other people. I'm trying to still show up and be my best self, but I'm thinking I'm replaying everything. She clearly was upset. Now I'm like, maybe I, I did mess up. But then I overhear her, and she calls her grandma, about who is like helping with wedding stuff. I don't know if she's setting up or what she's doing. And she calls her grandma, who I met during the trial, very nice lady. I just need you to get the f over here right now. What the f are you doing? And that's when I realize. There's some things I could have done different, you know. Some things I I own up to, but she's just a crazy person a little bit too. Because how do you cuss out your grandma? Oh,
0: this is this is an interesting twist.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so a few thoughts on cussing on cussing at your grandma, um, which which I've never done. And, Same. And, um, in fact, I, it's hard, it, it's hard for me to even imagine doing it, but, but, uh, but we could, but we can try, you know, I, I like my grand, speaking of grandma, my, I'm going to do a little 30 second tangent. It's going to tie in like my, my grandma had a friend or my, I had her like my grandpa, um, who I, who I didn't really know, had a friend who was like married and divorced like 38 times. And it was like insane. And at first, when I was a kid, I used to like wonder, well, like why would anyone get married like more than 30 times? It makes no sense. And then at some point when I, I realized, oh, actually, there's just some people, especially back then, who would kind of like treat marriage the way people today treat having sex. Like, oh, you have to be married before you can have sex. So like married, divorce, married, divorce, the way people today would have 30 girlfriends and that, and that's that's not a big thing. And I'm using this as a metaphor here because like to me, like you know, cursing your grandma would be terrible. But there are just some people that just use the F word, like just as though it's in every other day in a word. Like like to you and me, it has this power it the, the way getting married has a power but the, but the way the guy who got married 38 times oh whatever we'll go to the chapel on, on Sunday afternoon and then we'll get the worst next week and um, it's like is, is it for for, uh, for someone that s- says that way to your to your grandma that it it probably means to her it's just not that powerful of a word it's it, it's just another word and and what's interesting is these words, change in strength over time. So for example, continuing with the, with the grandma fame, in my grandma's era, the word damn and hell were like terrible, terrible words. It was like considered really, really strong when you said go to hell or get the hell out of here. While today, if you say get the hell out of here, it's like, it's like the children's word, you don't care about it. But today it's strong as you say get the F out of here. So um, so it's also interesting to kind of model her mind and Be like, oh, okay, so when she said to you, I effing hate it, she's just this person that exaggerates and uses a strong dramatic language, not because it's particularly bad or big, but she's a dramatic person and that's, that's how she acts. Okay. Did all that make yeah. sense? Huh?
1: No, you're absolutely right. It was, it was a way for me to understand her a little more. It took it off me a little bit. I mean, obviously she was unhappy, but the level, the level of unhappiness and the way she communicated to be able to measure that to another conversation she had that same day made it make just a little more sense. If that may- if that helps, but, yeah,
0: no, it totally does. By the way, I may or may not be related to people who may or may not. For every little criticism, it's like it's like the world is ending for like for for the for the the smallest thing. You're home two minutes late. Oh my god, two minutes! Like I thought, a car could have killed you. And so, like, so there's just there's just some people that communicate in this in this exagger in this very exaggerated way. And I think for people who are empathic and emotional, it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to realize how when they're so dramatic, it's not personal against us. They're not angry at us. It's just this is how they communicate.
1: Yes, totally, and are you ready for the last closing action oh, no. of this story?
0: Oh no oh no
1: i I never got paid <laughs> hmm
0: so what what so what's the backstory there or like what what happened after the wedding when you tried to get paid?
1: Allegedly air quotes for people listening the initial friend who booked me gave the bride the impression she was going to handle it or something but i i think she wasn't happy with the work so she didn't pay me and i mean that that whole experience completely changed i actually stayed in the industry for years and years it didn't deter me from being in that industry it it taught me a lot and moving forward, I would never work until I was paid up front. I mean, so many lessons from this moment. And that's why list, I wanted to share it today. Yeah. List
0: list some of the ways in which you change your practice afterwards as a okay. result Okay. Everyone
1: grab a pen and paper because <laughs> I was able to build a successful business after this experience. <laughs> ways I changed. More clarity on who I love to work with and why. When I replay this whole interaction, there's some questions I should have asked before I said yes to the project. Uh, If I still would have taken something like this on, I would I would not I made so many assumptions because it was a friend of a friend. So I made assumptions and I think the bride made assumptions and I think that led to a miscommunication. (coughs) So I would have done a more thorough job of just because you were referred to me doesn't mean I shortcut what I would normally do in the onboarding process. And then the payment thing, you pay up half up front, you pay yeah. half before the, the day before. So, By the way, I,
0: to, to jump back a second, I really like, I wrote it down, your phrase, questions I should have asked before I said yes. This is making me think what every professional <laughs> needs is yeah. uh, questions to answer before you accept the job. Yeah. And, and like, this like this should be a thing. We can go create the thing. And, um, and, and I feel like there are some, often people do a half aspiration of that. Oh yeah, oh, we'll discuss payment terms and this and this. And like, they're the easy and obvious things that, um, uh, that you wanna do upfront. But then where that, talk, that sort of talking gets hard, question that you've is often, they are things you have to ask yourself. Not necessarily questions for them. So, for example, is all the stress worth, them worth the money? Or you could, or you could do things like, like after you first meet them, you get a sense of their personality. Well, I have fun doing this because uh, because if you're if it's not going to be fun, then you may want to you may want to either not do it or charge more money for it. So, um, so so I think questions you need to answer yourself. Before you say yes is a very powerful concept:
1: Oh yeah, said differently, I think saying no is powerful I think ah. if something doesn't feel right, something feels off or you can feel that like anxiety kind of kick up a notch when you're presented with an opportunity, even if that opportunity on paper looks good, I think there's a lot of power in saying no
0: so I, I agree. so question yeah when you first met her for that or her soul. were there any signs as to her this and this attitude then that you just didn't pick up on before the wedding
1: oh yeah yeah even so the friend of the friend and i know the original yeah. person so it's not like she was a stranger i are, i've known her we've worked together right. we are completely different people we we approach that industry completely differently our styles are different And I should have just said no from the beginning because A, the time frame was, the time frame meaning the stylist was agreeing to do the wedding up until I think it was like three months before and then she had to cancel last minute and then the next person had to cancel last minute. That should have all been signs (laughs) that it was not under that pressure cooker. I didn't want to be the one performing.
0: Okay, so, so, so that, that's, um. That's interesting. So I think a very useful question that's in a lot of professional contexts is, yeah. what went wrong with the previous professional you hired? Like, like, like I'm a digital marketer, and when and when people come, when people come to me, it's like my when they say, oh yeah, my last agency marketing agency was terrible, and the marketing agency before me that was terrible. And the market agency before them is terrible. Like it reaches a certain point where either you're the least lucky person in who you hire in the the universe or the problem is not the agencies.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the more I was just picky about who I worked with as a hairstylist and then now as a business coach, and this still rings true, the more I'm picky about who I work with and I go off a of feeling like, do I feel like we have a good connection? That to me almost matters almost more than any of the other questions I ask. I kind of start there and then work backwards. And if, if it feels off or if they feel a little bit kind of high maintenance, usually they end up being high maintenance. And just because someone pays me more, sometimes that's not even worth it. So I think the more you're just aware of yourself and how to best match that to the right people and you're just confident in that. Saying no to that wishy-washy person with a big checkbook allows more room for that awesome person to come through, who's probably a better fit, anyways.
0: So, so that that's interesting. I agree with that. Said so differently, your gut knows. So, so yeah. trust your gut, ancient wisdom, Yoda, and so and so on. But what what I'll add to that is, I feel like one reason why people and our modern society don't trust their gut more is we're taught that math and numbers have supremacy over everything and you just can't quantify your gut. So mm-hmm. as a result, everyone's looking for objective reasons. Let's do the mathematical analysis. How long will will say how much money and all the correct factors to fit into so that. you do it. But there's no way you can't put a number to that. Oh, my gut uneasiness level is at a 62%. Like okay. <laughs> that would be pretty funny if you yeah. could quantify your gut uneasiness level. Um, well, I
1: th- I think the people who do it well, if you look at businesses where the business lives on past the CEO, I think it's because those are the businesses that uh, had se- founders who trusted their gut and continued to find people and bring people alongside them that operated that way. Because if you're just going for a dollar amount or quantifiable goals, you're never going to be fulfilled because what happens once you achieve that goal? Your, your your purpose, that's not enough of a purpose or a calling for you to be really passionate anymore. So then it becomes a logical thing versus a movement. When we think of some companies that have become like Starbucks has become a movement, yeah. Apple they're, they're trying, have become a movement. You know, there's certain ones that really stand out oh. for those reasons.
0: I, I agree. I, I, I agree. Okay. More <laughs> more ways in which you change your business and lessons you learn yeah. as a result of this.
1: Yeah. I I do think it's funny that this was like my intro to the industry and I stuck around. Oh, wait,
0: this, this, this is like your first big project?
1: Oh, uh, The first one that wasn't like a friend or family. Yeah. Yeah. Friend or family. Yeah. And I think I think another big thing is just the willingness to check myself. So when those I mean, again, the reason we're telling this specific story is because it's that big and that has that much um, impact on my life. But there's little littler ones that have happened since then. And I think what I do and continue to do is I check in. So whenever there's a situation like that, if something goes wrong or I feel like I did a good job and the client isn't satisfied, even though it stings a little bit, I always take time to assess why. What could I have done differently? And I think that willingness is something a lot of people actually don't do. <laughs> that willingness to be like, mm, I have to own a little bit of that.
0: So this is interesting. How do you check in with yourself?
1: Mm, that's a great question. I when it's When it's off, it's off. And I usually I take a day to just process it. I usually have to call and complain to someone and just kind of get it out (laughs) because we're humans, you know, I'm just being honest. (laughs) And once I take a day to just process it, then I try to just I literally put time on the calendar just to kind of audit things. And I'll think of things like that specific client. If I had said, yes, are there things I could have done differently to have a better outcome? Oh, you know what? It was my communication. I kind of broke down. I didn't set the expectation from the beginning or no, really, there's nothing I could have done differently. It probably wasn't the right client. When I think back to our first conversation, were there things that were said that maybe, you know, I kind of brushed over or pretended didn't happen? Things like that. So I I set intentional time for those those uh, times to kind of reset. And then very recently, instead of being kind of reactive, having a situation and then processing, now I'm kind of moving into at the first of the month, I block out the whole day for my business. I don't take any meetings and I literally assess what's working, what's not. So that way I'm actually creating that time Uh, and awareness practice so I can get ahead of it. So hopefully then I'm just more proactive in my approach to that kind of stuff. Oh,
0: this is an interesting point. (laughs) Two thoughts on that. First, yeah. in an um, in intelligence agencies, there's a concept called an AAR for an after-action review. And what an AAR or after-action review is, is when something happens, like you have to battle, you're on a mission, you and like as soon as it's done, mission accomplished or mission failed, but there's always like mission is over. As soon as it's done, the first thing you do is reviewing Um, reviewing what happened and taking out the lessons from it. And there are a few variations of the format you can use, but the essential core of it is ask yourself about five questions. Were your expectations going into the mission? Were those expectations met? How, if they weren't met, how, like, how are they different? What could have been done differently? What could, what could have been done differently? And what are, what are the things that should be done? Like what are the processes that should be changed in the future? As, as, as a result, there, there, yeah. there, there are a few variations of that, but I actually find this AR methodology um, very useful. And after any big project, I, I out time just like you do. And also, and, and I like this sort of structure because it gives it, it gives some sort of structure to like uh, the questions to ask yourself in order rather than just thinking, oh, I should have done this there, but forcing you to think through, okay, what were the signs? that i missed and so and and so on second point second point i want to make on this is i i never heard your idea before but i really i really like your idea to take the first day of every month and for for retrospective what a lot of businesses do is uh, including mine is i take the first of the month to do like all the financial reconciliations that so 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 it's you already kind of block out a few hours as soon as the month starts for the more numbery part, but remember what we we're saying ten minutes ago about there's like numbers, but then there's gut instinct. This is also saying, okay, you do the numbers, and then, in the less number way, okay, what's actually been happening in the business? How are things looking? What can you, what, what 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 could we do differently in the next thirty days? And and I, I actually might uh might adopt the Kelsey Penutin first of the month review.
1: Thank you. And it's funny you say that, Morgan, because mine was same thing. Mine started very quantifiable. What was revenue? How much am I putting aside for a tax savings account? And then I realized there's more either gut things or just feelings or conversations I'm having that also dictate what's going on in my business. And I didn't have a way to keep track of all that. So I, I just created it for myself. So to me, it's both. It's what happened historically this last month what numbers I track, you know, what's showing the success of the business, but maybe I had three new connections that though they didn't hire me for my service were super fruitful or they helped me with my business. And I want to be able to pause and acknowledge those things. So I, for me, where am I spending my time? And is it getting me to where I want to go next? Yes or no?
0: It might be. This has nothing
1: to do with my story. Sorry. I just had to go there. One, the best
0: episodes are the ones we go off in tangents, but actually what's interesting about is is often the lessons um, in client to client art stories are very specific. Make sure you get the ag- agreement in writing. So so that's a very common type of, uh, of lesson. But what, what I like about what you're doing in this conversation is you're abstracting it out. And you, you're saying, like, how do you set up your own processes in order to recognize these bigger issues in order to prevent them and, and improve them, such as, uh, monthly retrospective on the whole month so it's actually in a way it's actually more important than the uh, oh make sure you get the contract in writing
1: yeah i mean get the contract in writing but, yeah, also,
0: definitely do that too. but
1: also do these things and you know communication I, there's things i you heard the story of how it all started off the day of there's things i could have done as the professional hey just a reminder tomorrow This is the time you need to wake up. This is how I need everyone to go. Our timeline, just those little reminders, I could have over communicated or, you know, made that more of a priority to ensure that they're setting me up for success as well, which would have created more time. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? By the
0: way, on on the Kelly Knudsen monthly uh, review, what it's might be interesting to combine that with the sort of AAR like questions. So like like in so like in the last in the last month, like what like what went well, what went wrong? How is this last month different than expectations? Did anything happen in this in this month that um, that in this last month that should lead to any processes that, that we should change next month and 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 so on? So these two concepts could be linked in an interesting way.
1: I like that. Yeah, maybe we'll have to collaborate and create something. <laughs>
0: Fun. We could do a yeah. model doc and put yeah. it on, on both of our websites.
1: <laughs> the listeners didn't know they were getting some extra bonuses on this episode. <laughs> if exactly. nothing else, I mean, I think you, you got the gist of between Morgan and I, what we do. So if you're listening and this is helpful, create your own and run with it would be my advice.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely. There's, there's no secret sauce. There's no like one question to put in. That, uh, that that makes you break it. I think what's more important is the, is the exercise. What, what I also like about car, uh, about your idea of carving out time is my instinct is, and I'm just thinking out loud about how I might implement it for my own life, is to not just do it the first of every month, but to change my physical location when I do that. And by that, I mean, oh, I usually work from, from my home or the co-working, but instead I'll go to this cafe on this other end of the city that I really like, but, but but I never go to. Because something happens to me at least, and I think it's a human thing, but I'm not sure that, um, that when you change your physical location, you literally see things and think about things in a completely different way. Like I'm wanting to think about it the last month if I'm sitting in the same seat where I did all my work in the last month, I'm gonna be thinking the exact same thoughts that I thought about last month, but physically changing the location Really, really helps me think about things from this outside perspective, which is what you need to do because that comes to the heart of the Kelsey Knudsen monthly review.
1: Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Definitely agree. I mean, for me, it's the office. Then maybe I just do this on the couch. So that's enough of a change for my for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. But it, it could it could be as simple as. Going to the roof of the of the apartment building you 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 live in because you go to the roof once every six months or or something. But when but when you're on the roof, you literally see the sky and the air that may or may not be fresh depending on where you live. But at least you see this like this uh, like that that an open, which, which changes your perspective. So it doesn't even need to be going 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 across the city. It it could it it could be uh, it could be in this in in the same
1: building or are on the are on the top right in front of you. Yeah, totally. Totally agree.
0: Okay. From so now to wrap back to the story, any other lessons from the story or insights or postscripts that happen thereafter? Or or did or did we cover did we cover the key points? We'll
1: have I to mean, get point to that story was the beginning of a big realization as a at that time a new business owner which is i'm not sure everyone will agree with this but this is what i've learned through it there are people who run businesses who believe things just happen to them the economy is bad it's out of my control people don't have disposable income right now they don't want to spend on my business um so and so didn't market the event that i'm selling at very well so i'm just not going to be busy. And that the story was like the beginning of a realization that to get where I want to go in my business and also my life, I kind of have to take some control of that. And yeah, there's other factors that will get thrown in the mix. But I think a true business owner, a true entrepreneur is more proactive, more visionary and more able to get out in front of these things and make adjustments if things feel like they're not going your way. And that's something I just don't have ownership. Really, what it comes down to is I don't have ownership of myself. And once you do, and you're able to just see bigger, be more agile in those moments, be more decisive and saying no to the things you need to say no to, I just think you have more peace of mind. And I also think you're a more effective entrepreneur.
0: So I, I a lot. um, there's a lot in there. I definitely agree with that. What, I, what what's interesting is I feel like this sort of realization only comes with time. Like, I feel like it's too much to ask a 22-year-old recent college graduate that's just starting their own thing yeah. to, um, uh, to have that sort of self-confidence. Because yeah. it's only through trying this falling down, trying that falling down, and so on, that you develop your own strength, your own decisions, your own understanding this is right, this is wrong, I do it this way, I don't do it that way. And it has to be that way because if a 22-year-old just took anything your eyes or anyone said as gospel and repeated it, they would just be a robot that mm-hmm. repeating it. They, like, they they wouldn't be coming into their own as um, as a professional, which is why I view part of the mission of client heart stories, this conversation uh, and um, and helping younger versions of ourselves is not don't fall down because you have to develop you have to because you have to learn, but it's rather it's rather here's how you could fall down so so it won't kill you. so rather than losing a million dollars, you'll lose a few thousand dollars uh, but you but you still have to fall regardless.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, our parents all gave us advice we didn't listen to growing up, and then you get to the other side of adulthood, and you realize some of that advice was probably actually pretty good. But you have to live it yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. the yeah. other point I want to make is I think it's a, it's an important philosophical point that's related to the whole story on this higher, almost existential level, is um, is taking ownership of yourself in your life. So while I agree growing up and then growing, which is basically happens in your teens and then growing up as a professional, which is what happens in your twenties. You do the, so I agree with my last point. It's too much to ask a 22 year old to be a grown up professional. And like at the same time, what happens when you, when you are a grown up professional is what you realize is that when you take ownership of yourself uh, and, and, and your decisions, it's, like, I, actually, here, here's, I'm going to change mainstream to, uh, to say it in a different way. I can't stand to work with people who just blame others and don't take responsibility themselves. And what's, and what's interesting about that is, is the people who blame others, even when they are correct, even when all their criticisms are correct, they, the reality is there's always something you can do. Unless you're God, you're not perfect. So even if it's ninety nine percent the other person's problem, there's still that one percent that you could have done and that and and that you could have improved. And the people that are not willing to be honestly, sincerely introspective for that one percent to improve, they're just going to cause problems because because they're because they're it's all it's it's all going to be it's all going to be the blame game. So which is why I think this is an important point on both levels because. Owning yourself, being responsible, even when you only have power over that that one percent, because ninety nine percent is out of control, is what we need to grow to do as professionals. But also, um, but also from the clients, it's the exact same thing in reverse. The clients need to do the exact same thing, and the clients that refuse to do that and will just blame, 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 that's a client for someone else, not for me.
1: Yes, yeah, and I think. To put it in like a a more simple way, that gut feeling that next day when I felt just so small and really disappointed in myself, one version of me could have said, this is just what weddings are like. They're just not for me. And then the other version of me said, you know, that was a bad experience. I learned some things from it. I don't want to do it that way again. So how can I still do this, this thing I love to do, but do it differently? And that's the fork in the road. I think we all walk down eventually, you know, you, you kind of, you choose. And so many people in my industry, oh, I can't do weddings because brides are crazy. And that's, that's the point I was trying to articulate is it's not necessarily that maybe, and maybe it's not for you. I'm not saying all of this is for people, but, but where can you just step into that, that zone of owning your stuff, being confident in who you are or trying to, or learning along the way. And instead of letting Clients just be crazy and nasty to you. How can you make some shifts so that way you're not having that experience? I mean, that's the whole point of your podcast, right? Is to have these stories not just end in the negative ending most of them have, but to have a lesson in it and change for people.
0: That's a, a, a thousand percent. And then, uh, and then bef- before you wrap up, what what I'll add to your awesome insight and, and and your great your great way of phrasing it is um um is Oh no! I forgot what I was gonna say, but it's gonna be a world. I hate it when that happens. It's gonna be a world, (laughs) world changing, life changing point. But and the the world, the world might never, the world might never know now. But um, oh, I know, I know. Yes, I remember. It, it, It 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 took me a second. I'll say it before I forget it. Which is on the higher level, we're saying that you need to take responsibility for yourself, and you want to work with people who take responsibility, but to um to to bring to bring that down uh, uh, down down to earth, it's an interesting aspect of a professional relationship that I've, I've never discussed on in any episode before, but, but it's, it's relevant here, is who sets the agenda. And, and by that, I mean there's one type of professional where the client comes in and says, I want this, I want this, I want this. Yeah, I want my hair like this and this nice. And, and then the professional, yes, I can do that. And then there's another type of client relationship where the client comes in and the professional says, "Okay, you're getting married. Here's what we do: we do hair like this, prepare like this. The day before we do this, here's the rehearsal draft version. that will happen this. there bam. And then the and then the client the client says yes. Uh, and then the client agrees and works within the framework and the agenda set by set by, set by the professionals. I think this is an interesting way of thinking about it. And I think a very natural progression of a lot of healthy careers is I think most people start out in that first type because like you're young you're young you don't know what you're doing and the client says this and you want to make the client happy so you say yes 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 but as you mature and grow up as a professional and you understand the nuance and difficulties and you develop your own style and your voice and your approach and your own philosophy for what you're doing then you uh, like then you eventually reach a point where you can then create the agenda the frameworks that that you then give to the clients, and that and and that shift is is what happens when you're, uh, when you're when you're doing well as a professional.
1: Yes, and I'll add to that one more thing, which is Please. if you are in, and I guess we're just preaching to business owners, but maybe people who take on projects or something could this could apply. But if you are constantly working with clients who are bringing you down, have that negativity, are difficult to work with. Um, are adding stress and that is multiplied on almost all of them and you've tried these different things, you get to a point where you start to resent them. And at that point, this is again, all of your clients are this way. They're making you feel this way. Then it's a little bit on you. And I actually eventually got out of the hair world. You know, I spent years in it. I built up my business, built up my clientele. I had a lovely career in that industry, but I got to a point where I was starting to resent people and I had to check myself and realize it's not their fault. They're great people. It's not that they want unrealistic things. It's that I've changed and the way I serve people and want to serve people is different than serving them by doing their hair. And I have to acknowledge that and then act on it. So there may be some people listening who are in that boat.
0: Great. Well, uh, great advice. Well said. Yeah. And it's often not that they're crazy, but like, it's your wedding. It's the first time you've been married. You don't know what to do. You're really scared things will go wrong. So it's just a very difficult situation for mere mortals to yeah. be in, and that just accentuates all all the craziness.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> we got a lot of lessons in this episode, and and a possible uh, Google <laughs> Doc for like a monthly review outline that maybe yeah. we'll put together and link and link in the show notes. It, 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 I, I might put it together for myself anyway. I I, I think I'm going to try. I'm going to try this uh, December first. Yeah, it's too late. It's too late in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I like that. But um, Kelsey, this was super interesting and fun. And uh, thank uh, thank thank you uh, thank you for coming on. And I'm happy you're no longer dealing with these disastrous situations.
1: Yeah, Morgan. Thank you for having this show and approaching such a a specific topic in a way that can be fruitful for people i just think that's awesome so thank you very much this is fun
0: and listeners above all if you've made it to this far i hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we have talking uh, thank thank you until next time
1: thank you